So welcome to Table Talk. We do a lot of doctrinal teaching in Ballymacashan. We believe in that. We believe that we should know not only what we believe, but why we believe it. But sometimes we do need some practical help along the way. And so on Table Talk nights, Tuesday evenings, we've been asking, what does the Bible say about various life issues? And in this session of Table Talk, we've been looking at a very practical issue indeed, the issue of Christian friends and friendship. So we're seeking for biblical direction in the practicalities of the Christian life. And we come up against the questions of life every day of the week. So in this Table Talk, we're going to look at friends and friendships. We're going to search the scriptures and try and find some help. We began our session with worship, singing together the words of Psalm 40. Now, needless to say, I'm not going to put that onto the podcast because my singing is anything but tuneful and I was sitting closest to the mic. So instead, I'm going to read the psalm as I read it live and then we're going to listen to it being sung courtesy of www.thesamsung.org. He took me from a fearful pit and from the merry clay And on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. He put a new song in my mouth, our God to magnify. Many shall see it and shall fear, and on the Lord rely. (coughs) Blessed is the man whose trust upon the Lord relies, respecting not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Table Talk is a more informal type of meeting without any great structure. And we began with some general observations about friendship before we got to the important issues. So I began the discussions and the chat with an anecdote just to get people thinking about friendship. Here it is. 
years ago I was in a church. It was my habit in that church to do a children's talk every Sunday morning. So one Sunday morning I was talking to the boys and girls about calling of the Lord on their lives and working for God and of course used my own experience as a kind of an illustration. And I told them that sometimes being a minister was a very strange thing indeed. Funny thing is about being a minister is that people tend to avoid you at times. I told them about a cruise holiday that Jeanette and I had been on a whole lot of years ago and I brought a whole lot of books with me to read. So my idea was that I would stay in the, in the, the shade and I had brought these books to read. And I was sitting reading the book and I was on like a deck chair thing and a man came and sat beside me. And after a while, he called for a waiter to come over. It was very warm. The waiter came over and he ordered some drinks off him and I ordered a Coke. And so he turned round and he heard my accent, heard where I was from. And he turned round to me and says, oh, wh- wh- where are you from? And I told him I was from Northern Ireland. And he remarked that the weather was absolutely beautiful and I agreed. And he asked me what book I was reading and I told him it was a novel. And he asked what it was like back in Belfast. He was really quite friendly. He was chatting away and chatting away. And he says, and what do you do for a living yourself? And I says, well, actually, I'm a a minister in a church in Belfast. And he paused for a wee minute. And he looked at his watch. Oh, he says, I've got to go. (laughs) (laughs) So... So that put him off indeed, Sam. That fairly, that fairly scared him off. So after I'd finished my talk and I'd brought this to a conclusion and drawn a wee practical application for the boys and girls, the church secretary got up to do the announcements as it was in those days. When he announced, we're very pleased that this evening our evening service will be taken by our minister, the Reverend Robert Nomates. <laughs> Which apparently was so I asked, what do you think a good friend should be like? And here's the verse that comes to mind right away. It's Proverbs 17 and verse 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A good friend is someone who is fond of you and who is with you, not just now, but into the future. Proverbs 27 verse 9 to 10 says ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for better is a neighbour that is near than a brother far off. Very practical life lessons from the book of Proverbs telling us that when we have a good friend, we should stand by them. We should not desert them when times get hard for them. And the same thing goes for family friends as well. Sometimes our neighbours are good friends. The writer of the book of Proverbs here, reminding us that a good friend who's living close to us is often far more help than a close relative who lives miles away from us. Think of times when you have needed the help of a friend when family were far away and unable to help. And remember to thank God for friends and for neighbours, for very often friends are a good gift from God. But sometimes friendships fade away, sometimes they die. The Bible warns us 
about talking about our friends behind our back. In Proverbs 16 and verse 28, it says, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. And now we're not terribly familiar with the word froward these days. The Amplified Version puts it like this, A perverse man spreads strife, and one who gossips separates intimate friends. Even if you're really close friends with someone, gossip can destroy that friendship. Just be careful when you talk about people behind their back. But on the contrary, good friends are really honest with each other. There's a verse that we need to consider very seriously, and it's Proverbs 27 and verse 6. And there we read, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Let's just go back for a moment or two to the live recording from Bully McCashan Church. Right, let's move on. Good friends are honest with each other. I think that's important for friendship, isn't it? A really good friend will tell you the truth and not flatter you. Sometimes it takes a friend to actually come to you and say, look, you're doing the wrong thing here. Imagine if somebody was actually doing something that was harmful to themselves, some behaviour that was harmful. I mean, is it better just to ignore it and carry on, uh, you know, and, and, and just cover it up? Or would it be better to go to your friend and say, look, I think what you're doing here is actually going to harm you. I think you need to stop this. Harmful maybe to them and to others, you know. So if you're a friend, if you had a friend and a friend came to you and tried to warn you about the danger you were in, how would you feel about that? I've given some uh, alternatives here. Would you feel resentful? Would you resent your friend's approach? Would you tell them to mind their own business instead of yours? Or would you feel thankful? Would you be glad that your friend cared about you enough to come and warn you? Would you feel annoyed or irritated? That's the most common attitude. How dare he speak to me like that? Or would you be in denial? Would you just say, oh, no, no, you've got it all wrong. That's not what I'm doing. You know, deny that you're doing what they suggest. What if the friend who spoke to you and warned you was your doctor or your pastor or your social worker? Would that make any difference? I once went to see a young couple who were getting married in the church and they were setting up home together in the village. You know what villages are like? Everybody just watches everybody else in small villages. And this couple were setting up home together and I was told by one of the one of the people actually who sent their kids to Sunday school came around and said to me, I'm not setting my child to your Sunday school anymore because those two are living together. These are the days when living together was a terrible thing. Sadly, it's not anymore. But I went around to see them and I asked them, quite honestly, you know, I want to know what you're doing because you're not married yet and you shouldn't be living together. Um, you certainly shouldn't be doing anything inappropriate. And they said, no, we're not. We, we, we are decorating the new home for ourselves and we're getting it sorted out. And, and I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a wee piece of advice. People are looking um, and they're watching and they're thinking you're staying overnight. If you're not staying overnight, and I'm not accusing you of staying overnight, I'm just saying what people have said. But if you give them the impression that you're staying overnight, then they're going to talk about you. So what I want you to do is to leave at a decent time. Would you do that? 
So everybody sees you going home. And they said, we will, we'll do that. And they were quite honest and I prayed with them and they promised that they would do everything they could and they left. And about half an hour later, the girl's mother rang me up in a rage. How dare you? How dare you come into my house and accuse my daughter? I hadn't accused her of anything. But she was totally livid because I, as a friend, had gone round, as their minister, had gone round and had tried to keep them right. Not only in the eyes of the Lord, but in the eyes of the people who were living all around them. Because they're watching everything you do. And as Christians, I think it's important that we have a testimony and set an example. So would it make any difference at all if uh, your minister came and was honest with you? The second part of that wee passage from Proverbs says the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So be careful of people who just flatter you. Instead of actually pointing out if you're in danger of hurting yourself or others, watch that somebody just doesn't come along and cover it up. Flattering words. So now having said all that, surely it must be important that when we choose our friends, we choose very wisely. Ask the question, how would you choose your friends? I know that sometimes we make friends with people just by chance. And always remember, a Facebook friend or a social media friend is not a real friend, although sometimes they can become so. But very often we make friends with people just by chance encounter, or through the providence of God would be a better way to put it. But the Bible warns us that we should choose our friends carefully, for there is very great danger in bad company. Here's some bullet points that I brought to the discussions around the table. But the Bible gives us good information about how we should choose our friends. And the reason that it does that is because for the Christian, there is great danger in bad company. So we're not to keep company with people who are sexually immoral. Just going to go down a list of these things. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. The word fornicators is very, very broad indeed. It's derived from the Greek word pornos, the same word that we use to make the word pornography. Fornicators would be sexually immoral people. The Christian is not to keep company with people who are involved in sexual immorality. And look at the next little bullet point there. This is even the case with other Christians. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. It says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. That's somebody who takes money off people that he shouldn't have. With such an one, no, not to eat. So we're not to keep company with people who are openly and blatantly sinning. Sometimes there are Christians who don't have a good testimony, aren't there? Now, here's what Paul says. He says, if there's a man like that, do not keep company with a man that is called a brother. If he is a fornicator, covetous, 
idolater, a railer, that's somebody who's a ranter, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. With such a one, no, not to eat. So we're not to have fellowship and keep company with people like that. Shouldn't make those people our friends, sure we shouldn't. Then the third wee bullet point on your list is that we're to seriously avoid all of those who believe and preach false doctrines and beliefs. It's in Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. And it's such an important verse because there are plenty of people today who will tell you that it doesn't matter what you believe, so long as you love the Lord, we can all come together. It doesn't matter whether you're a Protestant or a Catholic or a Mormon or you know Jehovah Witnesses. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions. Right, so we're to mark them. And offences contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Paul's talking to the Romans and he's talking to us. And he's saying to us that if there are people who say they are Christians and who do not believe biblical doctrine, here's what we're to do. Avoid them. Doesn't say we're entering into dialogue with them. Doesn't say we're to keep company with them. Doesn't say we're to join together with them in unity because doctrine doesn't matter. Doesn't say that at all. In fact, doctrine matters so much that we're to avoid them. So that's that wee bullet point. And the next one is to remember that other people judge us by our friendships. Here's what James said in James 4 and 4. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So I'm not get too over friendly with people that are very worldly. You have to be careful with your testimony. Other people judge us by that. So we must be careful. We should choose friends who love the Lord and friends who have pure hearts. Second Timothy 2 and 22. Timothy is warned by Paul here to flee from youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Here's how I parsed that out in the meeting at Ballymacashan. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, how is Timothy going to flee youthful lusts if he's got friendship with young people who are not fleeing from youthful lusts? In fact, they're probably pursuing youthful lusts. How can he follow righteousness with people who are unrighteous? How can he follow faith with people who have no faith? How can he follow love, charity, peace with them who don't know the peace of God? Um, so he's to flee from youthful lusts and instead of that follow righteousness and faith and charity and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. First rule of friendship is have some good Christian friends. Bad company ruins good morals. That's it in a nutshell. So in the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus warned his disciples that something that causes us to sin is something we're to stay away from. We're to order our ways and to stay well away from it, that thing or that person, just to say goodbye to any friendships that lead us into sin or disobedience to God's word. So can I challenge you? What characteristics would make you a good friend to others? In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 to 4 we read this. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Finally, the best friend of all to have is Jesus. John 15 and verse 15 says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Jesus is the best friend of all, and he is because he laid down his life for us, for sinners. John chapter 15 and verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now that brings some balance to what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about how you should find a friend and how a friend should be someone who, with whom you would not be unequally yoked. Although we should seek out Christian company and keep Christian friends and be loyal to those friends, like our Saviour, we should also be the friend of sinners. It will be a different kind of friendship. For while we will confide in our Christian friends, and while we will seek their advice, and while we will regard them as our brothers and sisters in the Lord, our friendship with the ungodly will have a different purpose. It will be to draw alongside them, to witness to them, to seek to be a good testimony to them, so that we can pray for them, so that we can show them kindness and the love of Christ, and maybe even at some point we could win them for the Lord. So our table talk on this very practical issue reaches its conclusion. Next time we meet, we're going to talk about appearance. Is there a Christian look? Should people be able to look at you, the way you dress, the way you make up your face, the way that you wear your clothes, should people be able to look at you and say, now there's a Christian? And then on the other hand, what about modern issues? Should Christians get tattoos or nose studs? So let's talk. Let's find out what the Bible says about these things, about the very practical issues of walking the Christian pathway. See you next time.